Good morning. Welcome to First Church of Christ in Grayson. My name is Ben James. I am the uh, pastor here. Uh, we're glad that you're with us this morning. If you are joining us online for the first time, uh, you've never uh, been part of one of our services, uh, I would love for you to go to our webpage, fccgrayson.com, and fill out a connection card. It's under the Connect I'm New tab. We would love to be able to connect with you. Um, and also, I want to take this before I get into my message and once again remind everyone uh, about your opportunity to give and want to encourage you to continue to give into God's kingdom and, and faithfully give to First Church here. The um, online address is on your screen, as is the mailing address to the church's physical address. Uh, you can go to fccgrayson.com backslash give. You can give electronically that way, or you can mail in your tithe and offering check uh, to 287 Pomeroy Street in Grayson. Um, again, thank you for your continued faithfulness in supporting the, the church, the kingdom of God. And as I've said just about every week um, up until this point, just because we're not able to physically meet in this location and just because we can't necessarily gather at a church building at this time, it doesn't mean that the needs of the kingdom have ceased in many ways, in a lot of areas, they've actually increased. So I know that many of you are struggling. I know with the loss of employment, the interruption in employment, the waiting on unemployment benefits to come through, I know it's difficult times for many. Uh, but thank you again for your faithful giving uh, to God and His kingdom. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to remain in that first chapter today. If you would like to follow along with this message as we go along, you can go to fccgrayson.com, look for the message notes tab, and in there you can fill out uh, some areas. You can write in your own notes, your own thoughts, and then at the end of the message, you can send those uh, to yourself in email form. Uh, we have taken several weeks here, and we've moved through the first chapter of 1 Peter. We started several weeks ago talking out of verse 3, and in verses 3 through 5 tell us that Jesus Christ is our hope in our future, in our eternity with Him. It's through Him, through His sacrifice, and through His blood that we have hope for our future and an eternity in heaven. Verses 6 through 9, He talks about how Jesus is our hope in trials, about how He is our present tense hope that there's no other hope that we can lean on, that we can truly rely on to be unfailing in our times here in our present uh, as we deal with trials, tribulations, difficulties, and problems in our lives. Then verses 10 through 12 talk about how that the Old Testament prophets looked into this uh, coming Messiah and how the angels wanted to understand this awesome salvation that His death, His burial, and his resurrection has offered us. Then it goes into a therefore statement, which is what we covered last week, verses 13 through 16. So he's building on this hope of Jesus Christ, not only in our future, not only in our present, but also in our past. And now he's given us some action steps. And we said going into it that once we got to these action steps, we were going to slow down just a little bit. And the reality of it is, is we've not really been in a hurry to begin with because we've been several weeks just in this first chapter. And if this is the first message in this series that you're joining us, I encourage you, once we're done here, once you have a little bit of free time and can listen, 
go back and listen to the other messages from 1 Peter. Uh, they're incredibly uh, encouraging, applicable, and relevant to the time that we find ourselves in. So what we find is after he moves on from this teaching of Jesus, our hope always, he's saying now it's time to build on this hope, and he gives us a therefore statement. And there's a command in the passage that we covered last week, which was to be obedient, that Jesus is our hope in being obedient, and there's a call to holiness in there as well. So once he gets through his talk about obedience, his command for holiness, he, he kind of goes into a little bit of a recapping here. He, he goes through somewhat of a refresher course in verses 17 through 21. And I'm just going to kind of hit the highlights in that, and we're going to land in verse 22 this morning. But in verses 17 through 21, he reminds us that God is a just God, that his judgments are right. He reminds us of the value and the cost of our redemption, of this, uh, the, the price that Jesus Christ paid for our sins. He also talks about the imperishable nature of Jesus Christ and how everything else is perishable and everything else is going to be fading away and will fall away, but how Jesus Christ is the only imperishable source that we have. And then he talks about how our faith and our hope need to be set on God. As we concluded last week's message, really I kind of summed it up with this statement that no matter what state that you're in, no matter where you find yourself in your relationship with God, whether you feel like you're a well-established, mature believer, whether you're new to the faith, whether you're somewhere in between, or whether you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, the fact of the matter for all of us is that we need to turn to God in our lives, no matter what place that we find ourselves in. So now he brings this message and he begins to talk about, he's linking obedience here. And, and again, we had the therefore statement in verse 13, which we said that that connects the application, the action steps, the practical commandments that he's giving us in verses 13 through 16. It connects it to verses 3 through 12, where he's talking about the hope is in Jesus Christ. No matter what area, past, present, future, our hope is in Jesus. So we can't move on from hope. That's not something that we establish and then say, okay, I've got it figured out. Hope is our baseline. Jesus Christ, our hope in him is our baseline. And now Peter's encouraging us to build on that. So he's saying you move on with hope. You don't move on from hope, but you move on with it. And you build on obedience. You build on that with obedience and holiness. And now he begins to talk about yet another building block that we build on to hope and we build on to obedience. And that's in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. He says, since you have. So that's something that brings a, a, it brings a connection between this statement. So it's connected to hope. Obedience, holiness is connected to hope. Now what he's getting ready to say is connected to obedience and holiness, which is connected to hope. So all of these are, are, are connecting together. In verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Pray with me this morning. God, I thank you uh, for another opportunity to gather together. 
even though it's not the definition of what we would consider to be gathering together as far as our preferences go, God, thank you for this opportunity to be able to worship you in song, to be able to worship you in, in our giving, in our finances, and take time to remember your sacrifice and communion. And God, that we can now worship you in your word. Father, I just ask that you be with the listeners, be with those who are watching, those who are hearing this word, that this would permeate us, that it would, uh, that it would pierce us, that it would bring comfort, that it would bring hope, that it would convict us, that it would challenge us, that it would encourage us, Father. God, I pray right now that uh, not only that you would touch those who are listening and watching, but God, also that you would speak through me. Lord, let me say the words that you want me to speak, not the words that I want to speak. Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me right now as I, um, as I begin to talk about God's Word. Father, I love you. I'm thankful for your Son. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So he starts here in verse 22 talking about that since you have purified your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Now, going back again just real quickly to a segment of last week, we talked about we're purified by obedience to the truth, and that obedience is kind of developed in three different ways. Number one, we looked at we needed to focus on Jesus. Number two, obedience required our whole life. And number three, is that in order to be obedient to God and grow in our obedience, we need to grow also in our understanding of God. So, we, we are seeing that he's building on this here, and then he tells us what the next building block is. So we've got hope, we've got obedience and holiness, and now this next building block is love. That he talks about a sincere love of the brethren to love one another fervently with a pure heart. So love and loving one another. Before I start breaking this down a little bit more, I want to just pause here for a moment, and I want to ask you a couple pointed questions this morning that kind of pierced my heart throughout this week, and, and I hope that they pierce yours also and, and, and make you pause to think. But the first question that I would like to ask you this morning is, when was the last time that you shared your faith with someone who was lost? Now, I'm not talking about just a conversational piece in passing of you talking about how you trust Jesus Christ or how you love Jesus or just kind of transitioning out of a conversation with this. I'm talking about when was the last time that you shared your faith purposefully, your, your faith purposefully and boldly to someone who did not know Jesus Christ. The second question is, when was the last time that you challenged in love someone else in the faith? And then to flip that question, when was the last time that you allowed someone else to challenge you? And here's what I'm talking about challenging in love, is that if you see a brother or sister who are, they're, they're not living maybe the way that they should be, they're not talking the way they should be, they don't have the right attitude, when was the last time that you lovingly challenged someone to be more like Jesus? And just because we're all not perfect at all, even close, when was the last time that you openly allowed someone to speak that way into your life? Because me, you, and everyone else that can watch this, we're going to fall short of the glory of God. And we need to make sure that not only are we lovingly challenging those and holding people accountable, but we're allowing them to do the same thing for us. 
And then thirdly, the last question, when was the last time that you loved someone in a way that you knew that it was the love of God coming from you and not the love that you could produce? Now, I kind of want to break that last question down a little bit, maybe add just a little bit more definition and clarity to it than just the question itself. And and I want to do so out of the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, chapter 11, we find a situation where Lazarus is sick, and his sisters send a messenger to Jesus. And here's the message that they send along with the messenger. So I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 11 of the Gospel of John. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother, Lazarus, was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Notice the phrasing there. Notice the way that that request is made of Jesus. It wasn't that, Lord, the one who loves you is sick. They said, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. Because I think that they had an understanding here. And here's why I asked the question of, when was the last time that you loved someone and you knew that the love was God's love and not yours? Our love is fallible. Our love will fail. Our love will fall away. It will be conditional. It will have limitations and restrictions. But the beautiful part about the love of Jesus Christ is His love is perfect. And what we, the love that we need to love the world with, the love that we need to love our brothers and sisters with, the love that we need to love our co-workers with, our families with, and the lost in this world, the love that they need, is the love that comes from Jesus Christ, that perfect love, not our love. They need the love of the Savior this morning. So when was the last time that you can remember loving someone and you knew that that love was coming from God and He was the source of it and not us? Because the love of God is what changes us. That's our hope. Because again, my love, your love, will fail and it will fall short. So let's... Let's begin to slow down here. Let's take a look at this concept of love. Now, we're, we're just going to camp out in verse 22 today, so that's where we're going to be in 1 Peter. But what I want is for us to look at this statement of loving one another fervently with a pure heart. So basically, the question I want us to answer this morning in this message is, what is love? Now, if I just made that statement and you didn't hear the song or you didn't immediately go to a reference of the movie The Night at the Roxbury with Will Ferrell, then if that's not where your mind went, I'm not sure you and I can be friends at this point. So maybe I better may give a little bit more clarity to this. What we need to define is what is biblical love? And in order to do that, let's turn to the book of 1 John. Now, that's just a couple pages uh, over to your right, going towards the back of the book, that's the you've got First Peter, which we're in, then you've got Second Peter, then First John, and we're going to go to chapter four. There, I want to read verses seven through eleven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us 
that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might have life through him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loves us, we also ought to love one another. In his writing um, on page 49 of the epistles of John, John Stott says this, The church father Jerome said that the apostle John, in his extreme old age, would have to be carried into meetings and up onto the stage, in which every meeting he would exhort them, Little children, let us love one another. After repeating this time and time and time again in various meetings, he was finally asked by the other followers why he said the same thing over and over and over again. And his reply was, because it is the Lord's commandment. And if this only is done, it is enough. So love is a really big deal here. And a couple fast facts that I want to just throw out there to you in regards to love is that John's writings never moved away from love. Whether it was his gospel or his later writings, he's constantly building on and referencing love. Secondly, love is the inevitable result of truly being born again. Now, it's the inevitable result of truly being born again. It's not the automatic result of being born again. When he says in this, everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. It's, it's something that we have to press on towards, as the Apostle Paul would say, of being able to love with the love of God. And thirdly, the third fast fact is, love is not opposed to the truth, but is shown in the truth. This word is truth. Love cannot be separated from this book. It cannot be separated from the truth, but it is shown through truth. Now, in both 1 Peter and in 1 John, it's very evident that we must love one another because God loves us and he showed his love by sending his son. Now, in verses 7 and 8 in, John, in 1 John chapter 4, we find out that we should love one another because God is love. God is the only source of true, genuine love because it comes from who he is, and love is who he is. That's his nature. Now, I believe that if we're truly children of God, then we will display his nature because it says everyone who loves is born of God. Now, you know, children, and we've all seen this, if you have children, you know this to be true, and if you are close to a, a child or their parents, then you know that this to be true also, that inevitably um, children will take on characteristics of their parents. Um, my daughter loves this fact, um, the fact that in, in relationship to my wife, um, she is just like her in a couple different ways, but the one that immediately comes to mind is the fact that they have to have even numbers on everything, and I don't understand that, because like with M&Ms or with candy, they pour out the candy into their hands or on their plate, and they're sitting there counting them, making sure that there's an even number, and if I'm pouring candy onto a plate at the same time, by the time they get done counting, I'm usually done eating mine, but both of them. You know, she got that from her mother, that there, there's this four or this six, this eight thing, and I'm just like, 
It's on my plate. It's in my mouth. That's all that matters. But for me, Rachel loves the fact that, fact that she gets so many facial expressions that, um, that she sounds like me in the way that she talks sometimes and some of the things she says. Uh, she kind of looks like me, and, um, and she processes a whole lot like me too. So, Rachel, I know you're watching. Uh, you're welcome. Just remember that. But secondly, I believe in verses 9 through 10, we see that what John shows us here is that God showed his love by sending his son for us. See, God's love is seen in our lives because he sent Jesus that we might live through him. Now, new life, new life in Christ should show itself in our behavior. The way that we talk, the way that we act, the way that we react, the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we manage ourselves. New life in Christ looks like something, and it looks like his love we should always be displaying God's love to the lost, the dying, and the hurting in this world. There should never be a moment, and I'm not, I, Lord knows I am not perfect at this, but we should be displaying the love of God at all times, in every moment. And when we don't, that's when we need to step back and we need to repent and we need to just do better. I know I need to do that. Love is also seen in Christ being the propitiation for our sins. Now let me break down this word propitiation and give you a little bit of a definition because many of you may not have heard that. You see, most of us know that Jesus Christ came to die for the forgiveness of our sins, but he was also the propitiation for our sins, which means that he took God's justice, God's wrath, God's judgment for our sins on himself. So not only did he forgive our sins, but he paid the penalty. He paid the price for our sins also. You see, God just doesn't brush away our sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. There is a price that's been paid that wipes them clean. They're not just covered up. They're not just brushed under the rug. Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins, for my sins, not only to forgive them, but to be the propitiation for our sins, to pay that penalty. And I believe that all of this just leads John kind of to this uh, last point that he makes in verse 11 here, that since God loves us so much, therefore we ought to love one another. Now this word ought here really isn't a suggestive term. It's not one of those things that's like, well, if you can, you should love one another. It would really be nice if you did it. You know, if you, if you feel like it, that would really be good. This ought statement is more of a command and an obligation. This gives us this clarity that our love should not be based on an emotion or a feeling. And yes, those hairband people fans, you can say now that Love, it's, it's more than a feeling. It really is. But the reality of it is, is love is not devoid of emotion or feeling, but it's not based on it. You see, loving God means that we detach ourselves from what our flesh wants us to feel. So that means the people that are difficult to love, those that are hard to love, those that are impossible to love, 
in ourselves, now we have the capacity to love them with the love of God because of His Holy Spirit living inside of us. You see, it's really easy for us to love those who love us back. In our flesh, love responds with love. Like responds with like. Encouragement responds with encouragement. But it's a true spiritual matter when we will detach our emotions and our feelings and we will say that this person has wronged me, this person has hurt me, this person has wronged my child, they've hurt my child, they've wronged or hurt someone that I love and that I'm close to, but yet I understand that it's not my love that I need to be basing this on. It's not my feelings, not my emotions, but the love of God. Again, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. Guys, in, in, in my closing, we live in a world that's sick. We live in a world that's dark, that's full of sin, that's full of hurt, that's full of wickedness. And it's not based on our love towards them or their love towards us, but it's based on the love of the Savior for them in their lives. No matter how wretched no matter how wicked, no matter how vile, no matter how disgusting. I believe that that's why you know, Jesus was talking about in his sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 5, talking about those love your enemies, bless those who persecute you. It's not based on what we feel or it's not based on our love, but it's based on the love of Jesus Christ. Number one, the love that he has shown us and understanding that we need to love others the way that he has loved us to show them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning, can we say that since we purified our souls by obeying the truth through the Spirit, that we will sincerely love the brethren, that we will sincerely love one another fervently with a pure heart. Now this morning, if you're watching us and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then our web address for our prayer request is on the screen. Please make that decision. And just answer me this question. If you're on the, on the verge, if you're on the fence of making that decision, of responding to the call on, Jesus, on your heart from Jesus Christ, I ask you this question. What one thing would keep you from giving your heart to Jesus right now in this moment? Maybe you would answer, I, 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 I don't know if I can live the life. I can guarantee you can't live the life in, in your own power. But you can't definitely, you, you can live it in Jesus, but you can't live it without him. Maybe you want to get some things straight in your life. You're never going to get straight. You're never going to have things straightened out enough to be worthy of salvation. You're never going to work hard, hard enough, be good enough. Give your heart to Jesus Christ. Respond to his calling on your life. Pray with me again, please. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you for the challenge that it has provided my heart that, God, it's not based on my love. Uh, it's not based on my goodness. It's not based on anything, my emotions, my feelings, nothing. That, God, it is based on your love. Let us sincerely and fervently love one another with a pure heart. Let us love our brothers and sisters in Christ with a pure heart. Let us love our families with a pure heart, our co-workers with a pure heart. God, let us love our enemies fervently 
with a pure heart. Father, I pray that you would do uh, a work inside of all of our hearts to convict us this morning because all of us fall short in the area of loving fervently with a pure heart. God, I'm thankful for your son that you loved us so much that you sent him not only to forgive our sins, but to be the propitiation for our sins, to pay the penalty, pay the price for the sins that he didn't commit, but every one of us are guilty of. Father, we love you. So thankful for Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us this morning. Um, we have some awesome stuff planned throughout the week. We have a live with Pastor Ben on Monday evenings. We have a live prayer evening on Wednesday nights. We have a live worship time uh, on Friday nights. And throughout all of that, we have some stuff for FCC kids and FCC youth. So to stay up to date with everything that's happening, we would love it if you could head to this thing down here and subscribe to receive our email. And also go over to our Facebook page, make sure you like it, and then sign up to where you'll get notifications so you can stay the most up to date with everything that's happening. Now, if you're a parent of a youth, go over to FCC Youth and like that page as well. If you're a parent of a kid, go over to FCC Kids and make sure to uh, like that page and turn on the notifications. We're gonna have a Zoom call this week. We're gonna do some trivia nights this week. We're so excited um, for everything that we can do, even in this time where we might be separated because of this craziness that's happening. Guys, have a great week and we will see you next Sunday.